Carl Sagan, famous atheist, scientist, and author, once expressed a sentiment that is widespread across those who disbelieve. In his novel, Contact, which was later made into a movie, he had his protagonist, Dr. Ellie Arroway, who was a ridiculed genius and pursuing the SETI project. Now, the SETI project stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They set up this project apparently because they couldn't find any intelligence down here. Beam me up, Scotty. But this Dr. Arroway, in a discussion with the lame excuse for a religio-pseudo-Christian, whatever he was, Arroway expressed the sentiment, if God exists, why doesn't he prove himself? Of course, as you all know, there is no such thing as proof. People will believe whatever they want to believe. Even Jesus recognized this and he lamented that those around him wouldn't accept his miracles as proof that he was in fact from the Father sent to us. In fact, it's worse than that. Because everybody on our TV screen is trying to outdo each other so that they can be on the all-star team of the professional sport of skepticism. They deny even the nose on their face and other parts unmentionable. You see, however, the most basic answer to this kind of agnosticism is to point at each and every one of your 40 trillion or so cells that contain libraries of information. When Watson and Crick took credit for discovering the double helix of the DNA, they demonstrated beyond any reasonable shadow of a doubt that the universe is not made up of merely matter and energy, but also information. Dr. Arroway recognized in this movie that an intelligence sent this information about this intergalactic travel device, but she failed to recognize the intelligent designer that created every single cell in her body. Today, as science stands now, you can only be a materialist if you insist on denying clear evidence-based science. However, neither Dr. Arroway nor Dr. Sagan are alone in their ignorance and agnosticism because this anti-God philosophical commitment has been popular since long before Jesus walked the earth. Indeed, Jesus was God's first answer to the problem of why doesn't God just show himself? And is to help us and those around us that he did show himself. And he showed himself also in Colossians chapter 1. Starting in verse 15. He, the beloved Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, 
For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If Indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Christ is supreme. Picking up where we left off last week, Christ is the King of the kingdom into which we have been transferred when we were taken out of the domain of darkness. He is the King who is God with skin on. The King who could tell Philip, if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. The King who rightfully inherits everything in the universe because He is the firstborn over it. The Ruler, this Jesus of Nazareth, is the King who is both Creator and Judge over the universe and everyone in it. This Sovereign, the Messiah Anointed One, is the King over the means of salvation and all who have received it. The Church. The, this Monarch. Christ, the preeminent one, is the King of peace. And when you pray, it is altogether appropriate to begin Your Majesty. And when you bow the knee before Your Majesty, you do so joyfully. Because He is the King of peace. He is the King that brings peace. He is the King who provides peace. He is the King who freely gives to everybody who wants it peace. He is not some capricious Lord dealing out benefits or punishments as His whim is. Christ is supreme and Christ is sufficient. Because He is supreme and because He is sufficient, you and I therefore can celebrate peace. Now, my job as a preacher, as you know, is not merely to explain the passage and to give some point to some um, applications that you can make in your life. That is true. That is what I seek to do all the time. But my job is also to enable you to go home and read the Bible for yourself. Because you can read the Bible for yourself. You don't need a degree to understand God's Word. You need prayer. You need time. You need a little bit of effort. And you need humility. And so my job and Sunday school teachers' jobs and Anybody who really is a Bible teacher's job is to teach you, is strengthen your ability to put effort into it. So, 
I want you to take out your Bible or your Bible program because I want to point out a couple of things that's important so that you can see them when you're reading other passages in Scripture. I want to point out verse 15 where Paul starts off, He is. And then in verse 18, Paul says, And He is. Now, that's a parallel you might skip over and you might not catch it. But if you're reading slowly, if you're reading on purpose, you can catch that. But here's one that kind of doubles it in because in verse 16, Paul says, For by him, he gives a reason for what happens in verse 15. And then in verse 19, Paul says, For in him, giving a reason for what he says in verse 18. Now, you gotta, if you're reading slowly, if you're reading a small enough passage, you will start to notice these kinds of parallels. And the author, when he makes these kinds of parallels, is trying to catch your attention. He can't raise his voice or make his voice softer. So he has to find a way in writing to make you notice that something is happening. And in this case, what Paul is saying here is, hey, pay attention. I've got one point, verses 15 to 17, and then i got another point that kind of parallels as related to 15 to 17 here in verses 18 to 20. Now next week, we're going to see, we're going to spend time on this major point starting in verse 21 where instead of a parallel he is he is for by him for in him it's a contrast now instead of talking about Christ he talks to you he says in verse 21 and you so again this is just something so that you can take your bible home you can read it on your own you can start seeing these things and as you practice and as you pray The Lord will show you this and enable you to read His Word. So, let's break His message up into bites so that we can feast. The first feast is right here in verse 15 where He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. As you know, I like to ask questions. And so the first obvious question here is, what does this image of God mean? What what is He getting at? Well, I think the, the beginning, first thing that we could say is he, Paul's acknowledging Dr. Arroway's question. Wait a minute. If God is there, why doesn't he prove himself? And so Paul acknowledges that this is an issue. But what he says is he has shown himself. He is the image of the invisible God. Clearly, Paul is saying here, in Jesus, who and what God is can be seen. Dr. Arroway, God is so magnificent, so majestic, that if he didn't work hard at hiding himself, his presence would be overwhelming. So, Dr. Arroway, Grace Baptist, citizens of Santa Maria, he hid himself in every one of your 40 trillion or so cells so that you could see if you have eyes that want to see. Well, okay. But the earth has existed for much, much longer than electron microscopes. So obviously, he didn't show himself to them. Well, no. That actually is Paul's point. 
God showed himself as clear as day in the only manner that he could without just blinding us with his glory. He came in a cradle. He came, as Pastor Benji reminds us, with smelly feet and armpits. Why? Because you have smelly feet and armpits. God put skin on so that we could see who and what God is all about. Do you want to see if God cares about justice? Read Matthew 12, 15-21. Do you want to see if God is compassionate? Read Mark 6, 30-44. Do you want to see if God cares about women? Read Luke 18, 40-56. Do you want to see if God cares about bad people? Quote-unquote. Do you want to see if God cares about you? Read Matthew 21, 28-32. Read Mark 2, 15-17. Read Luke 15. Read all of John chapter 4. And what you'll find, if you read it, is that God cares about you. God cares about us. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. Not as USN... U.S. News and World Report obscures him, not as CNN maligns him. Look at Jesus in the Gospel. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find out who God says God is. And then you will be able to celebrate peace. Now to celebrate peace, you need God Why do we need God? Because you and I offended God. And if there is to be peace, if peace is something that is possible, then He has to be the author of it because we are the author of the offense. And so, God the Father sent God the Son to pay the penalty that I owe so that we could have peace. And... What a God He is. Verses 16 and 17. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Paul describes here what is called the cosmic Christ. Jesus is both high and He's low. He's in charge of the spiritual realm and the material realm. He is in charge of angels and demons. He is before all things. In other words, He is the most important person in the universe. And in Him, all things hold together. Enter digression. Allow me to make this same point using modern theoretical physics insofar as a layman can understand him having attended YouTube University. All matter is made up of atoms. Science established this way back in the 1800s. And we know that atoms are made up of protons and neutrons and electrons. But what are these subatomic particles made of? Well, protons and neutrons are made up of what are called quarks. There is this group of really small things that are called fundamental particles. 
things like electrons and quarks and neutrinos and photons and other things. But what these all have in common is they have no internal structure. So, enter cutting-edge science. Brian Greene, internet-famous theoretical physicist, explains that these fundamental particles are made up of strings. Strings are one-dimensional bits of energy. And the frequency at which this string vibrates determines what it is, an electron, neutrino, etc. And the vibration that these strings make, I'm using Dr. Green's words here, is the symphony of the universe. What does Genesis 1 say? God said, let there be light. And there was light. And Paul echoes this whole idea and says, in him all things hold together. There is no thing. There is no where. There is no when in which Jesus is not completely supreme over all things. Not only because He created it, but He holds us together. And science... Real science, unpoliticized science, as you would expect, offers us compelling evidence as to what this holding together looks like. And because He holds the universe together, you and I can celebrate peace. Now this is the second step towards the celebration of peace we need. We celebrate because God directs all possible enemies that might stand in the way of our peace. He holds us together and He can stop them before they start. And so we know when our enemies are going, they go because they are at the hand of Jesus Himself who is watching out for us. Even our enemies... The demons, the thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities are all pawns in His hand. And He has already moved all the pieces before anyone else even gets to look at the board. You and I can celebrate peace because the One who holds you together held the nails together that held His hands to the cross. And the cross is the place where every enemy of our peace was defeated. The place where love defeated his foes. It was love, ultimately. Not metallurgy that held God the Son's hands to the cross until he paid for our sins. Paul puts this beautifully in Romans 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, namely, faith in Jesus' death on the cross. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice over the hope of the glory of God. That, my friends, is worth celebrating. Amen? But... 
And fortunately for us, Paul is not finished giving us reasons to rejoice. Verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is supreme over creation because He holds it together. And Jesus is supreme over the new creation, the church, because He holds us together. Enter another digression. Do you want to be seen as Christ followers? Do you want people to look at you and say, Man, there is something different about him or her. I have got to find out what that is. Do you, you need to understand what is going on here. When he is making this peace, holding us together, he is talking about us, the church, not merely us as individuals, that he covered in 15 to 17, but he's holding us together together red yellow black and white my friends the world is desperate we are desperate in this nation as we sit because we don't get together red and yellow black and white we fight or we ignore we push it aside because I don't want to look at that I want to look at my puppies on the screen Do you want to be seen as a Christian? Do you want to be known as someone who has been changed? Then make those relationships. Because it's only relationships that's going to unite us. It's only going to be as we get together and love our brothers and sisters of another color, of another race, of another language, of another socioeconomic status. Get to know each other and love each other. Find out what are some of the blind spots that Greg Burtnett has. And some of those blind spots are because I don't want to look at that. And some of those blind spots are because I, I just didn't know. But here, when he's talking about holding us together, he's talking about us, not me us. And so it becomes important for us to see Him here. The church is held together by our King. We are told here He is the beginning, He is the end, and He is everything in between. We learn here that Christ is the firstborn over all creation in verse 15. And then in verse 18, we learn that He is the firstborn from the dead. Praise Jesus! You can experience birth from the dead, but so can your brother or sister who outwardly is not like you. But inwardly inwardly is more like you because that change has happened to them as well. Therefore, they are your eternal family. 
You know, it was a lot of fun geeking out on YouTube University this week. Fundamental particles, string theory, all this kind of stuff. I, I admit, I had a good time doing that. Kind of fits my geeky character. You know what's better than geeking out about strings? Geeking out about the church. The church is beautiful. The church is gorgeous. The church is absolutely astounding. And it is so wonderful. The church is so great because the church is your family. No, it's our family. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I wonder how many of us in this room right now have more of our blood relatives at this moment not going to heaven than going to heaven. That's true in my family. I pray that that, I pray actually every day that that changes before it's too late. But this is what I know. This is what I know. That there are going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and language. Every color of skin. Every culture is going to have people who are my forever relatives. And that makes it beautiful. That makes it gorgeous because that is not found anywhere else in the world. Now let's go, if we can, let's go one step deeper. Let's go one step closer. I want you, for the moment, to close your eyes and picture in your mind the face of that person that you most hope you never see again until you get to heaven. You know what I'm talking about? That person that you, okay, they're a believer. I know God loves them. Okay. But I hope I don't get to see them until we see each other in heaven. I want you to picture that person in your mind right now. Now, assuming that both of you are Christians, assuming that both of you are covered by the blood, you are going to be laughing with them and hugging them and loving them for eternity in less than, say, 70 years. For some of us, it's going to be a lot sooner than that. Kind of puts stuff in perspective, doesn't it? Kind of makes you start to think, what is it that I'm so upset about anyway? Jesus, God the Son, has made peace by the blood of His cross. He reconciled to Himself all things. You and that annoying brother or sister that you don't like. You are reconciled to Himself. So you can't say, I love you, but I don't like you right now. My friends, those are Oprah's words. Those aren't Jesus's. Those are Dr. Phil's. They're not yours. No. As a Christian, 
You and I can, and therefore we must celebrate peace. Celebrate that peace has been achieved and we no longer have to allow bitterness to rule in our hearts. Delete those thoughts. Throw away that CD. Some of you are older than me. Smash that LP. That one that keeps circling in your heart and makes these bitter thoughts alive. Celebrate peace. Even if it's not safe for you to go to that person. My friends, the Bible commands us to forgive, but the Bible does not guarantee reconciliation. You are not promised that your enemy will be a friend of yours. But you and I can allow those enslaving thoughts to escape the prison that you have made around your heart. Celebrate peace. You can do this because Christ is supreme and Christ is sufficient. Oh, wait for it. Here it comes. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Oh, my soul, rejoice. My friend, let your heart steep in this. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God our Father sent God His Son to put skin on to show you and me Himself. He did this to show you His compassion, His justice, and His truth. He came to show you that His Mount Everest reality that won't come crashing down no matter what anti-intellectual fad reigns on your computer screen. My friends, you and I can celebrate peace because you and I can celebrate the fact that He is the firstborn from the dead. And because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, you can know that you will be born from the dead. And so will that brother or sister that you don't like. And so now, you can go to him or her and celebrate peace. If by no other way than simply taking your fists and relaxing them and making them a hand out to them instead of two hands up. Open your fists, open your heart, open your mind to the fact that God has enabled you right where you are to celebrate peace. Let me tell you, whatever you miss on earth, whatever doesn't come your way or doesn't work out for you, you know that your King will more than make up for it in heaven. And our passage is not over. Ellie Arroway 
demands for proof. And it has been given in every physical cell and every spiritual heart that has eyes to see and ears to hear. And the evidence offered to those hearing ears and seeing eyes is the cross. And next week, this is where we will be. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what do we have? We have in verses 1, 15 to 20, God gives us evidence that He is with us. He gives us evidence in the Scripture, in our hearts, and in every one of the 40 trillion or so cells in your body. Number two, Paul shows us that God is supreme. And next week, we will see that Christ is sufficient. And He is the Christ who is supreme and sufficient because He is here. And then we will celebrate peace because this supreme and sufficient God made it so by removing all the enemies and all the obstacles to that peace. So this week, make peace with those who are your enemies. Seek to understand them. And if you can't have a relationship with them, find a way to release that in your heart and to learn and to begin now celebrating the peace that is yours.